You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practice Show podcast. My name is Kirk Barron and I have the distinct pleasure and fun of bringing you great thinkers, great speakers, and great influencers in dentistry to add some value to your life today and make your practice and your life better. And we're gonna do just that. So I have a friend of mine on today, Judy K. Musoff, and we're gonna be talking about how to create a healthier, happier, and higher performing culture. If you understand what she suggests here, you can certainly do that. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practice Show podcast. My name is Kirk Barron. I have one job and only one job, only one job with this podcast, which I was telling our guests who you're going to meet in just a second. Like, I just love this. I don't know how this works. You guys don't watch the videos. You just listen to the audios and I'm totally cool with that. But you can expect to just keep showing up because our goal here is to help you with the best thinkers in dentistry to create a better practice and better life. And today we are going to do exactly that. So I have Judy K. Mosoff who's here and she is a fellow unbelievable speaker, one of those influencers in dentistry. And we're going to be talking about how do you create a healthier, happier, and higher performing culture in your practice. And if you're a dentist, you know how crazy, crazy important that is and the complexities that we now deal with. So Judy, thanks for being on. I really appreciate it. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. It took forever. Like you're a very busy person. I uh, I had to squeeze into your schedule to get you get you on here. But I'm so happy we finally found some time. Well, I, I think it had a combination of both of our schedules. <laughs> I don't think I, it was just mine. Oh, my schedule's a mess, and I don't I can't take this photo down. But I'd show it to you. My team gave me a photo of Pigpen from. Peanuts. I'm like, oh, there's other it. characters. And then they're like, no, you're Pigpen. It's just messy. And so I'm so happy that we're finally together. But um, we're going to go into this because you're talking my jam. I love this conversation. And you're an expert at bringing, making people happy. I like, one of the things I'll say about you, like I've spoken in rooms next to you and I'm like, there's wait, okay, stop with the laughing over there. Like, uh, like it's getting too loud. Like people have fun when they come to see you. Um, and if they've never seen you or have never heard of you, I want people to know you. So give us your bio. I want you to tell people who you are. 
So I've been in dentistry since the early 80s, um, started when I was two, of course, right? Right. And um, worked as an admin for 25 years and then started my business in 2006. And I was going to be, um, you know, the full-time, full-blown consultant and realized really quickly that I love the culture side, the relationship side of dentistry. And so I shifted my entire business to focus strictly just on culture camps and working with teams and culture setting. So when I'm asked to speak, it's always on culture. When I train, it's always on culture. Yeah. And that's really what I do. Okay. Go back to that. You said culture camp. I love it. Culture camp. I want to come. What is it? Like, what is, what's a culture camp? You know? Well, it's an opportunity to dig deeper. So a lot of times I will meet my clients um, when I'm speaking somewhere, as you have to Kirk, I'm sure over the years, you go out and speak. Someone hears, they like your message. They want to bring you into the office. So instead of ongoing coaching, I offer what I call a very strategic culture camp which is focused on the specific needs of the practice. So I send out surveys beforehand just to get a little bit of the lay of the land. And first day I meet with the leadership team on that first arrival day. And next day's observation and interview with team members and meet with the leadership team again. And then the second full day, if it's a single location practice is co-creation. Yeah. It's not about me standing lecturing, it's about building around core values that the doctors wanna have in their culture. And we limit it just like Disney to four and um, we build on that and it works tremendously well. Um, it helps me to customize what's important to the doctor. So it's intense and yet it's fun and it's empowering. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a really great end result for the team and for the doctors and managers. I love it. We're going to talk about the details of it because again, you know, you hear all of these cliches, you know, and I love, they're, they're true. They're absolutely true. And I, what you're talking about is critical. I just believe you get the right people with the right value system, core value. I'm a huge fan of core values. I don't have a tattoo, but if I ever get one, it's going to be my, <laughs> my business core values because like that has reduced the amount of crazy stuff that happens in any business. And you, you've seen that firsthand, but um, give us the, I want you to give us like this, uh, this is where we are point. You know, you ever been to the mall and you're like, this is, you are here. You have been through, you were here and you were a big influence, still are prior to the pandemic. The pandemic came, it got weird. People that were good at culture were able to keep things together. People that were bad at culture, that showed up in a big way. And now we're on the other side. Tell us, if I'm a young dentist, Judy, where are we on this history lesson on culture? We're still in the process. I would love to say we're totally over it, but we're not. We're still dealing with some of the fallout from the pandemic because it's not totally gone. Well, there's still flare-ups. There's still things happening. Um, we're still working hard at bringing back team members to work. You know, <laughs> let's be honest. There's a lot of people who got really comfortable being paid to stay home and do nothing. For sure. And so bringing the people back and having them excited. And, you know, when you get paid to do nothing and you can stay home in your pajamas, it's hard to get excited about going to work, you know, yeah. and driving somewhere and having to deal with all of the things that happen. So right now, if you were a new dentist, I would talk about how do we gel the team, the existing team that you've kept and the new team members that are coming on board as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Because that's a, that's a big part of the puzzle. So many of the teams, when they came back, those that communicated throughout the entire process did really well. And they had weekly 
or even sometimes biweekly meetings with their team via Zoom. They kept in touch. They talked about things. Others, it was just like the doors closed. No one communicated. Two months later, here we are. They're the ones that are having the difficulty because there was no connection throughout that. Yeah. So when, when we're coming back together, we're bringing, um, we also had a mass exodus to people leaving the industry. You know, you think about that, you know, not only people who are ready to retire, but people who um, maybe in past years were in dentistry because it was financially a good place to be, but maybe their heart wasn't. And this really changed things dramatically when there was some concern with health. Yeah. Although I have to say, I think dentistry is probably one of the most healthy area or an office is the most healthy place you can be. For sure. You know? So, yeah. Um, so th that's a big part of it because it's like the puzzle that they had that they get used to working with isn't the same. Yeah. And the expectations, even of those that were long term in the past, has changed. Yeah. So and talk about so, that. I want you to talk about the expectations piece because I love that conversation too. What are you seeing? Well, I, I see um, this statement of balance of life gets tossed around a lot more. And I think balance of life gets used in a way that benefits the person who wants it versus the office as a whole, because it can be, you know, if you try to have balance of life for everyone in your practice, you'd have chaos. You could never run a schedule. Yeah. So it's really about having, getting the team members back that are excited to be on board, that want to work and understanding that, there are some family issues and there are some things that come up. Excuse me, I have a bit of a cough here. <coughs> Don't sweat it. We'll edit that piece out. We got you. We got you. Great. Shutting the cough drop here. Yeah, yeah, I love that because that's uh, that actually happens. You see people say, oh, no, no, I get a balance. And then you got these other people that are just working, that work so hard for you and they don't have any balance in their lives. And that's critically important. Um, I, I, I'm totally tracking you and I'm taking notes here because this is like one of my favorite conversations ever. And so if I'm a dentist listening and I, I'm like, Judy, I totally get it. But like, um, and you see this too. People are like, well, there's nobody out there. What I think I heard you say was you got to start first with who we have. Like, let's right. put our energy there. Just like finding new patients to build a practice. No, we got to start taking care of the people we already have before we Absolutely. start adding people to the mix. Because I'm sure you've heard this. I have a dentist in Boston and I don't, I'm not a huge data guy on this, but he said the number of EFTAs that are in the state of uh, Massachusetts actually matches the number of dentists. So as you can imagine, there's wow. a huge shortfall. So, you know, looking elsewhere to bring joy to your practice, that's not the best. So you're going to start internally, right? With where- Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and to think that you're just going to hit the ground running when you've had a reduction in team members and that- isn't fair to the existing team members. So many of these practices had very loyal team members that stayed, that were willing to step up, willing to do what they needed to do. However, the idea that we have to accommodate every patient and do this just as if we were full staff after a very short time, they're burning their best people out. And it's like, no, you need to slow it down first so that you can catch up and make sure you take care of the people that you have that stayed, first of all, so you don't lose more. And then you create and, and a, a culture that's going to actually entice someone to want to come and work. Because right. if, if your existing team members are stressed and they're not happy where they're working, how are you going to bring somebody new into that situation and keep them? For sure. Know? And everybody says, I don't care what state I'm in. They're like, oh, my gosh, GDK, you don't get it. You can't find team members. It's like, yeah, you can if you try, mm -hmm. you know, but you can't just run a little ad that says wanted eight to five, blah, 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 blah. 
you have to be creative. Some of the best ways to find team members are on Facebook with the team doing videos and talking about, come join our team. Hey, we're really a fun place to work. And also it might also mean that we're investing outside the dental industry. We've kept the dental industry a secret. We haven't really shared what an amazing career it could be. And then you have those few that kind of fall into it, but the rest of the world really doesn't know about it. So it's time if you want to create that, start putting out there what you're looking for. And it might mean that you spend and, you know, get invest in the education as well. But you're going to have a loyal team member. Yeah. That's somebody that's really excited. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And um, I say this, the eyes tell me the whole story. I can walk in any practice. Doesn't matter what they say. The eyes are going to tell me what's going on here. And I want to, I want to ask you this question. I don't know if, you know, you walk into a lot of situations. People say, Judy, come help me. Describe what your favorite projects look like and your least favorite projects so we can get a glimpse on what works and what doesn't. I mean, does anything come to mind? And oh, I, might, yeah. I might even <laughs> throw a few curveballs at you while you're describing, but yeah. I want to know from your vantage point, favorite so projects. So when I go in, my two favorite, I think the things that really get me excited, which is kind of crazy, I think, maybe a little sick actually, Kurt. But, okay. I like <laughs> but it. what gets me excited is the fact that number one is meeting all the team members because they're they're like walls up and thinking, oh, she's here, she's going to tell us what to do and all this. And just sitting down and having a casual conversation. And I am like you, not just the eyes, but the energy. I just, just zoom in on that. And half the time, I only barely hear a few of the things they're saying, but I'm just watching their energy and their body language and their tone and and the thing. And you can pick up, you can learn so much. And from one day to the next, it's like a night and day difference from the first time I met them to the next day we're co-creation. We're almost new friends by the next day. It's just such a great shift. So I like that. That's one of my favorite things is to help to disarm them a bit and make them feel more comfortable and safe. Um, The second is with the leadership team. And that's actually where most of my work is. That's where the effort, you know, once I get the leadership team on board together, the rest flows pretty easy. Okay, go back to that because you're talking my jam now too. Tell me why. Like why? Why is it? Why? Okay, wait, wait. Let me play devil's advocate. Hey, I got Judy, you're coming in. We got this four doctor practice. Can you just fix yeah. all this right here? Yeah. You know, we're four, we're equal partners, four of us, but we're not the problem. They are. Fair. Yes. And so when I think the people who hire me know that I never say I'm going to fix their team, they're part of the team. Right. Right. So, and I can't fix anybody. I can help them. I can give them skill sets. But what I always do is, is I use the analogy of, uh, of the doctors, it's like, and I'm going to bring a little farm in here because I'm a farm girl originally, is they're like horses pulling a a wagon, pulling in all different directions. And their team is on that wagon trying to hang on and it's a disaster and it, you know, it goes nowhere. Right. So a lot of times, and this is, (laughs) sometimes it's just holding up a mirror, an imaginary mirror in front of the doctor to let them see what they're doing. Right. And, and still out of love and respect, um, because this is a hard job. Doctors didn't go to school to be leaders. They went to school to be dentists and oral surgeons and, and prosthodontists and prenatists and whatever their, their specialty is. So all of a sudden now they're, they're 
have a business to run and they're a provider and they're smart. And I, and it, I think it bothers a lot of them that they can't just automatically make it happen. Well, time is a huge issue as well. So for them, it's about letting them know that, yes, you're the doctor, but you can't do whatever you want without consequences. So if you like what you're doing, then keep doing it. But then why am I here? Right. Right. And if you don't like what you're, the results that you're getting, then, then let's talk about some ways we can get there. And there's, you know, there's not just one way. There's a hundred different ways you can do things right. to get. So, yeah, the mirror thing yeah. is a big thing too, because, and that's why you need great coaches. They need people like you to come in and go, listen, here's what's going on. My favorite coaches in the world help me understand the biggest problem in this entire business. It's you, Mr. Ball guy, you know, and I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> You know, and then, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know, I've been hot on this trail. So Judy, this has been my threat. I'm 52. You're talking my language right now. So I wish I would have taken a seminar at 25 and it would have been from the top business leaders in the world. It would have been a four day seminar. And the first day it would have been leaders from Chick-fil-A and all these businesses. And they would, the first day would have been core values. Now I would have been 25 and I would have sat there with my arms crossed going, what a waste of a day. Like, let's talk about the marketing. Let's talk about the money. Let's talk about all this. And they would have looked at me like, kid, you're not listening. And I wish I would have had that experience and listened to a sliver because your life would, my life would have been so much easier. And you get these foundational pieces. Like you said, there's a million ways to get there. But if you've got the core values and we're all aligned for the most part, you can deal with anything. Would you agree? A hundred percent. And you see those people who don't have the core values that are guiding them, they're flipping and flopping back and forth all the time. Wait. They're following, you know, this is the hot thing here. This is the hot thing there. Oh, we're going to do this now. We're going to, we're going to implement this treatment here. They're the ones who, when you open the cabinet, they have about 40 different pieces of technology that they never yeah. use, you know, and, and they're not being successful because they're going all over the place and they're not known for anything, right? you know, because they're, they haven't excelled at, something that really sets them apart. Yeah. But, you know, and, and the doctors, you know, some of these doctors, are, um, yeah, I, I won't, of course, say names, but I'm thinking of an oral surgery group where some of the most gifted oral surgeons I've ever worked with. I mean, I was in awe. I had to get out of my head, honestly, to work with them because they've created some procedures that are so, uh, they're known worldwide, right? So here I am, little me, mm-hmm. in there having a conversation with them. And, they get so good and so big sometimes that when they're a group, they can destroy the group. And the best analogy that I came up with, I said, look, you guys remind me of the Rolling Stones. You're all, you know, like the, the best singer, the best guitarist or whatever band is your favorite, the best keyboard player. And then you get so good. You're the best that all of a sudden it comes all about I and you wreck the band. Yeah. So don't wreck the band. Yeah. You know, and that's that's a hard conversation to have because these are sometimes the who's who in the world. Right. And you're and you're saying, okay, but we're there to to be honest and to teach and to share and to help them. So yeah. Yeah. And so we see these more and more. And I, and again, I, I, w- I would love your expertise on this. You've heard this phrase, as goes the leadership team, so goes the rest of the team. You know what I mean? And so Absolutely. when you're dealing with a multi-doctor practice, I think it's important to say like getting the leaders aligned is not like a one day process, like the more yeah. and more. So how do you, how do you see that? And it gets, and the other thing, like, just stay with me on this journey. You know, how this is. when you add a, a, a partner, it doesn't get 
twice as complex. It gets four times as complex. And when you add another one, it's like kind oh, of having, three. Yeah. Three is like three is like grade school. Two are in front. The other one's the out person. You know. Yeah. So three, how three how do you out. sort through all this? Like how do you how do you handle a big operation with multi decision makers? Most of them have um, made a very good decision and have hired a great office administrator or director of operations. And so what we've done is we've just changed the flow of communication. They no longer get to respond to a team member on the fly about, yes, we'll do this, or we're gonna change this. Everything comes back to that person for a discussion at their weekly. And it has to be weekly, I call them we team meetings. Love that's a leadership it. meeting. And that's where everything is discussed. And I've had doctors who have sabotaged it, not shown up. And it's just like, nope, I'm sorry. If you don't attend, you can give your vote in early or you can share how you feel, but they're going to vote on it. And if you're absent, you're absent. 100%. Yeah. You know, so that has really made a big difference. So I give them the verbiage of, and I teach the doctors before I leave, like, okay, we're going to practice this. Repeat after me. That's a great suggestion. Please take that to Susie for our partnership meeting next week. Love it. That's a great suggestion, you know, and then we practice. So I usually get an email about two days in from the doctors and they go, so you'll be very proud of me. I just said. Yeah. And I want you like you're, you're training people how to communicate. Now, if you're listening, you might think, oh, that's not nice. No, you're, you have to create lines of communication, correct? Well, you have to create that path because they're so used to just responding. And the other thing, this is like being in a marriage with partners. And and I use that analogy all the time and they get it. And I, I said, imagine if you have children, if you said to your kids, yes, without consulting with your spouse, right. how would that go over? You Not know, good. and when you do that, you know what happens. That's what you're doing here. And then also think about how you make your kids feel. Because then they don't know who to support if you are not in agreement. Do you know how you tear your team apart at the office when they they don't know who to support? Right. And then when there's a big division, if this doctor has their entire team and this doctor has their entire team, it's we, they, because the doctors aren't agreeing. Right. Once the doctors are um, cohesive, and that's why I said, you can get into the biggest disagreement you want behind closed doors. But when you walk out, you're united. 100%. And, and that changes everything. And the results are almost immediate. And I think the doctors see that so quickly that it's uh, it's in their best interest, they realize, to continue to follow it. Totally. And I think, as my friend Lois always says, she goes, we call you the velvet hammer. <laughs> Why? Why are you called the velvet hammer? I'm, I'm nervous. Why? Because she said, I get the point across. Um, I make sure it's clear, but I do it in a way that's still uplifting. Mm, so. You let people know I'm not messing around. This is how it's going to work. Right. But you're exactly right. I have three teenage daughters. And when Sarah and I aren't aligned, they actually, it gets even, they get brilliant. They actually get really brilliant and they work us. Like they know exactly oh, yeah. who to work yeah, yeah. to get what they want. And Absolutely. they can create division between us by going, Absolutely. you know what I mean? So now you can get the partners or the, you know, the married people arguing just because Absolutely. it's, it's almost like a distraction bomb. I'm just going to throw that over and let you guys fight it out. And then I'm going to sit over here and feel less tense. And I can get what I want then. Yes. I'll sneak right by. <sighs> Path of least resistance. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So yes, I, I have 90 questions because this is my, okay. so let's, let's go through the, I, I love the path that you created, the healthier, happier, higher performing. Tell me about those steps and how you see that. 
So healthy, it has to be healthy. Um, we have to be able to come to work and work in an environment where we feel safe, where we can trust leadership, where um, we feel respected, we feel appreciated. Those are conceptual words so often that aren't attached to actions. And that's one of the things that in the culture camp we define, what does that look like? Don't just use the word, but if we're gonna show each other respect, how do we show each other respect on a daily basis? What does that look like right. in measurable actions? And including, and there's no different standards, not a, a separate standard for the doctors. Everybody's on the same page when it comes to this. Um, what's the attitude? What's the energy we bring in the door when we step across the threshold? We're responsible for that energy. And if we're a doctor or manager, we are the leaders. We have to set the tone. We have to lead by example. Yeah. So it really is. So the healthy part is we want to attract people that want to work in our practice. We want to have the best of the best in the industry. And if it's a healthy place to work, people want to go where they're happy. Right. I mean, it's as simple as that. You know, people think happy is fluff, but it's not. And happy isn't just about can't just say be happy, damn it. It right. doesn't work that way. You have to create. You have to get rid of stress. You have to build respect and trust. Um, and and th those are the key in, in feeling happy in the practice. So that's the healthy part. And the healthy part, then happy is the attitude and the and the fun and um, uh, some we teach body patterns, changing body patterns when we're stressed to positive body patterns. We talk about how, what are some things we can do for each other to lift each other up if we have interesting patients today, you know, or what are things we can do to uplift? Um, and what do we do when the wheels do fall off? How do we, how do we not kick each other like the dog and support each other, you know, because the wheels are going to fall off. Yeah, you know? they will. Um, and that's the happy. It's like, how do we, how do we help each other? Um, and high performing is really then about how the communication is everything. Um, how do we keep each other in the loop? And what are things that we need to create as part of processes that happen consistently so that we do keep each other in the loop so we don't get so busy that we don't take the time? Yeah. Because that's what I hear all the time. Judy K, you don't get it. We don't have time to communicate. And I said, I'm sorry, you don't have time to not communicate. Totally agree. That's, that's that excuse is the very reason you have Absolutely. to communicate, you know? And so Absolutely. I actually, I wrote down a whole bunch of, this is good stuff. Like interesting patient. I'm totally borrowing that from you. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and then I want to go back to this. You said measurable actions. You know, I've screwed up more than anybody listening to this podcast. And the one thing I've learned about culture is it's not a fluffy thing. You have to learn, mm -hmm. you have to learn like how to do it. You have to learn a structure. You've got to learn that we, you said, we've got to be on the same page. Like I have a leadership team. We don't always agree, but we have one rule before we walk out this door, we're going to be aligned, even if we right. totally disagree. And the same thing with Sarah, like you have to learn these measurable actions in, or it's not a feeling. Cause you've seen this. People go, you don't trust me. And you go, I trust you completely, but this is still messed up. You know what I mean? Type of thing. How do you sort that? Well, so it comes, emotions get involved and emotions distract, right? right? So it comes down to facts. When someone says, this makes me feel, or I don't feel like you trust me. Okay, tell me specifically, what is it that makes you think I don't trust you? We have a tendency to assign meaning to other people's behavior as if it was the, the same as our, you know, what it would mean for us. So if I do something, it has a certain meaning. If you did something, the same thing, it might have a different meaning. 
But if you do it, I'm going to think you mean this. Like if, if I sigh or go, oh, I'm a, I might do that when I'm frustrated, who knows? Or, and then if you do it, maybe you might be reflecting something and I'm ass assigning the same meaning to it. So a lot of times it's a false assumption that creates the problem. Yeah. Um, you know, also it's really about the fact that there are so many moving parts. There's hundreds of things that have to happen in the practice on a day-to-day -day basis to get through the day. There are going to be things that we don't agree on, and we have to be able to be adults and not have such a thin skin where everything hurts our feelings and be able to talk about it to move forward. If you can't have a conversation with someone, you probably can't work with people. Yeah, so true. You know? So true. And that's and that's the expectation. Part of the culture cam is explaining what is realistic when we set agreements on how we're going to interact with each other. What is acceptable? And I like to make up words. So the approacher and the approachee, you know, that's the biggie. If somebody's going to go and communicate with somebody, the approacher, how do we want them to approach us? And I always tell the team, I go, don't think about the person you like on the team. I go, think about the person you have the lowest trust relationship with or that you don't like. And I always go, don't look at them. <laughs> but of course, everybody's looking, right? Right. <laughs> but I said, that's the person we have to figure out how you'll feel comfortable if they approach you. And you know it's going to sting, right? Yeah. And it's going to feel uncomfortable because we all want everybody to think we're wonderful. Right. And then the approachee, how do you want to be received? And they come up with and they make agreements. And it's usually five or six, maybe seven different things. But it creates a clear path. And once you talk about something, and I'm sure you found this uh, to be true in your life, too. When you talk about it before it's an issue, it's much easier than to um, walk through it once it happens. You're like, oh, I got this. Right. And I love so, that. I absolutely love that. And in these podcasts, in these conversations, you can see, and you get these too, like, it's very easy to take the vantage point from the doctor. But right. the team members, there's a special place in our hearts all all places for these team members there's a lot of great team members out there when dentists say yes. those, there's a lot so let's let's give them a voice in this like judy give give them a voice what do you hear from them what would they say to this whole thing um when you hear this conversation in dentistry well i think for them they feel that they were kept in the dark i think for a lot of the team members they felt that they weren't valued that they were easily replaced they were just let go and because it was uncomfortable and the doctors weren't sure. I mean, you th think about that, what they were told about um, put them on leave or whatever, or, or unemployment, you know, it went back and forth. It was all over the place. And so I think a lot of the doctors and managers were uncomfortable for, with it. So really didn't have the in-depth conversation that they could have had. And so many times when they don't know for sure, they just don't say anything. Well, silence makes people nervous. They'd have been better off saying, look, we're being told this and we're being told this and we're not quite sure what we're supposed to do yet. We're going to keep you in the loop. We're going to let you know what's going on. But a lot of them did not. And all of a sudden it's like they show up one day and they go, oh, doors are closed. We're done for now. Yeah. And there was no communication of when they're going to come back. And then all of a sudden, oh, we're ready. Come on back. And there was for a lot of them, they were nervous coming back to work and there was no um here's how we're going to handle patients coming in. Here's a, it was, it was chaos the first couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, many of the clients that I worked with, I went out, um, I was back in offices already in May of 2020, helping them work with how are we going to bring patients into the practice? It took us two hours on one culture camp just to get a person from the door 
Ian checked in because I kept playing different scenarios. Well, what about this? What would we do then? Yeah. They were so prepared that when they actually started seeing patients, they said it was it was so smooth. It was easy. It was yeah. enjoyable. So I think that the team felt, I think they felt abandoned, a lot of them. I think they felt uh, disrespected. And and they many of them thought they were a vital part of a team and then it just stopped. 100%. Yeah, I yeah. totally, I totally agree with you. And, um, you know, our, our, probably our the highest producing practice, which is also, it's a, it's a very unique situation. Like he's in Florida. And to your point, the first thing he did in the pandemic was he rented a tent and he was vulnerable with them. He's like, I don't have any answers. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. So he, he's like, I'm just going to be completely vulnerable with them and say, right. I don't have any answers, but we're going to still meet underneath the tent spread out until we start gathering right. answers. And then they came up with ideas. They're like, why don't yeah. we just do like a fun, like challenge, you know, until, and so to your point, like there was a cadence, there was a way. Right. And he was like, you know, what's really funny. You should tell her, you don't have to have the answers. You don't, you don't, no. you don't. You, you, you don't at all. And, and that's the thing. So many of this, you know, they think that, oh, if I don't have the answers, they're going to run over me or they're going to disrespect me or they're, it's like, no, just keep them informed. Right. Just tell them what you do know, or even that you're, you know, you're unsure and you're trying to work through it. But that constant communication is key. So now you have team members, you know, that are coming back and, and the other person, many of the practice administrators stayed on and did so much work. And I think they kind of got left behind in many cases where the appreciation level was not at the level that it, it could have been, or I hate to should, but should have been. Right. Um, because they were there day in and day out, making sure everything was running, taking care of all and learning how to deal with all the PPPs and all the other stuff that was going on that they had no knowledge about and trying to make things fly and no break really. And then you get back and you're starting to deal with the chaos. Um, I think all of them should have been sent on at least a two week all paid vacation for. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, for rejuvenation, but yeah. Yeah. And so the question that a lot of the pundits or you know, like even people in these forums, I'm just curious, you know, everything in life is temporary. I mean, I've been doing this for 25 yeah. years. You've been doing this for a long time. I mean, you remember dentists were supposed to disappear when fluoride came under the scene, actually fee for like, everyone's like, Oh, it's always the end. Um, are we going to come out of this with the labor challenge? Will it be different? Like, what do you see? It's anyone's guess. What's the future look like? I always laugh when I hear that when people go, well, I'm going to share the future. It's like, well, if I had a crystal ball or I was Johnny that's, Carson. That's why I'm asking at. you the question because I don't, <laughs> I predict the future and it's wrong, you know, so I want, I want to ask you. Well, I think the best prediction of the future is history. Yeah. You know, and if you look at their cycles, there's always cycles and, and I mean, just watch the housing market, watch, you know, anything like that. There's, there's ebb and flow. It's supply demand. You know, I remember when hygienists, there was a huge shortage and that was when the big jump happened with their salary years and years ago. Do you remember that was because for a long time there, they weren't paid a whole lot more than an assistant. Mm -hmm. And then there was that massive change. So I think you're going to see ebb and flow. I think you're going to see, um, some different training and different ways to utilize teams. I think you're going to see more virtual um, work as well. Um, and, and in fact, I think it's quite 
smart to use some of that because you think about the the training on some of these companies that have this where they have people that that's all they do they're experts they're very proficient at it and it's an easy plug and play and your team then can be you know dealing with the patients live in front of them versus doing some of the book work or some of the uh, behind the scenes stuff so I, I think it's going to be a restructuring on some of the tasks and things like that yeah um but I don't see that we're always going to have a shortage. No, I yeah. think there's going to be an ebb and flow. Yeah. And I agree with you in the virtual thing too. I just did a virtual visit with my MD yesterday through the app. And I said to him, thank you so much for just doing this. Cause like this saves me the drive down. He's like, Oh, my pleasure. Like it's good for me too. I can, I can connect. And we were talking for like, he's like, do you have anything else? He was so relaxed. I was like, Oh yeah. yeah. You know? So I yeah. totally agree with embracing the future. So um, I, I will play a little game. So I have a lot of young dentists. So let's, uh, so if I'm a 30 year old dentist and you don't really know my whole story, but you want to give me like three points of advice for a good three decades, like Judy, give me some advice. What would be the three things you would tell me to do for a happy career in dentistry? I would say number one is choose your core values that you want to build your practice around. Okay. Wait, go and back to that. I love this. Do I ask everybody what our core values are? No, I'm kind of leading no. with that question. Okay, tell me no. more why. Why? No. Tell me why. No, because your team may come and go. And this has to be, this is your ship. You're steering it. Yeah. You're directing where it goes. So no. Um, and and you hire people based on those core values as well. You know, if you, um, if you have, for example, that you want to be known as compassionate is one of your core values, uh, really important that you hire someone that has natural compassion because that's not something that is easily trained, right? right? You know, that that's an effort for someone that isn't naturally compassionate. So you build around your core values and you make decisions based on that. Um, I think that that's number one. I think number two is finding the right people and keeping them. Your team is an extension of you. And I think that it is so important that you hire people that you truly respect and care about and that you, as you grow and succeed, they need to as well. Give them a piece of the pie, makes a big difference. Um, you get people that are very invested and take ownership then. Then it's not you trying to lead everything. It's like the book, The Tipping Point, you have your whole team then helping you move forward, which takes a lot of pressure off you. So I think that that's um, a huge thing. Third, I think it's really important to never forget why we do what we do. You know, we get sometimes, you know, I was speaking yesterday in Cleveland for an oral surgery group for the referring doctors. And I said, I think back to when I started in dentistry and seeing the patients and the difference when they were partially edentulous or totally edentulous and they would cover their mouth and they wouldn't make eye contact. And, and we'd barely have them in provisionals and they were night and day different. It was unbelievable, um, the change in it. I think sometimes we get so busy running a, like a hamster on a wheel, running to the next room that we stop celebrating and um, enjoying what we do and we lose our joy for what we do. So I think that it's important to um, take time to celebrate every day about what we accomplished with our patients. Amen. I love your treatment yeah. plan. And I would completely agree with that. Well done. And then I would say hire Judy K. But you know, <laughs> I mean, of course, of course. Well, and you know this, like to, to, to say to yourself at any point, 
running, I can do this, like is either ignorant or arrogant. Wouldn't you agree? Like I can just figure all this out. Well, you know, in fairness to them, they probably could. However, it's a timing issue. Right. As well. Right. So, and there's only so many plates you can keep spinning. Right. So what are you going to let go of? You know, in, in fairness, if they had, if they could have a 48 hour day versus a 24 hour day, they might be able to do it. Right. But something's going to suffer. And, and I love the book, um, Jim Collins, Good to Great, because it really, it really is clear about the fact is, yeah, there's a lot of things we could do good, but that gets in the way of greatness. All the time. You know, focus on what you can do that you do great. And, and that's where you're going to get your joy as well. Yeah. And, and then and let others step up and step into some of those positions that um, helps build them and empower them as well. Yeah. You know, 100%. Because you know. when they're good at it, they have a unique ability for it. You, would, you won't even know how they do it. And they'll get joy yeah. and never right. ending improvement from it where right. you'll just exhaust yourself. So. Right. This is awesome. I love this. Any last thoughts you have on creating a happier, healthier, higher, you know, higher, higher level of production or higher performing? I, I got to say that. That's easy for you. To high, say, huh? I can't talk. <laughs> higher performing culture. So any last thoughts you have? Yeah, I think that we just have to breathe. Yeah. I think we have to, um, you know, we come to work um, a little farm again here, you know, you're kind of like the mother hen, you gather the chicks, whether you're the male doctor or female doctor, it's, we're not going to go in that, but whatever you, you gather your people for the day, you start out on a positive note, you rev them up, you say, let's make this happen today. Let's do this. You know, we're going to, we're going to do the best we can. It's not about perfection. Right. Um, and I, I think, I think the, um, this always makes me think of what my dad said at the end. Um, my dad is gone. He's been gone since 2009, but, um, I was blessed to have that last year. I knew he was going to be passing. So I flew back a lot to see with, spend time with him. And we talked about everything. It was amazing. It really was. And I remember asking him on one of the last visits, I said, dad, you know, you're 87 years old. You know, you're, you're, you're going to be saying goodbye one of these days. He goes, well, hopefully not tomorrow. You know, he was always right. kind of a, a fun guy. And and I said, what, what do you think I need to know? And I think that this is what I would share with the dentist. He said, well, he said, Jude, this is going to be good. So you better write it down. And he had this little, <laughs> well, he's carried this little three ring binder in his, in his Western snap shirt. And he pulled it out and he handed it to me. So I actually remember this. And he said, Jude, it's really important that we don't have regrets at the end for what we didn't do. And he said, and if we don't want to have regrets, we have to figure out what's important to us, and then no excuses, we have to make time for it. And they said, every day we do the best we can, and every day is gonna be different. Every day is gonna deliver something. But if you know you can look back on the day and you gave it your best shot, well, that's as good as it gets. Yeah. And he said, and then if you know that you've done these things and you're happy with how you've lived your life, that's, that's, that's the queen, that's the, that's the top. That's yeah. the cherry on the top. He was a so, wise man. That's for yeah, sure. Yep. You know, and, and so, so I look at it, it's like, don't have regrets, you know, try the things, you know, so many times people, dentists want to try a different treatment or this or that, and they're afraid to, or add on because, oh, what if this, try it, you know, go for what you want. Um, put blinders on them with what your, what your colleagues are doing. Do what's right. important to you and compare yourself to yourself, not everybody else. 
and you know, and then you just do your best and and treat your team well and have a make it a great day every day. That's yeah. really what it's all about. Well yeah. said, one hundred percent, one hundred. And it with a ta-da, Kurt. That's it. And, end it with and a ta-da, like a yeah. yeah look at that. You know, that, like ta-da. I yeah. completely agree. Completely yeah. agree. Now, I yeah. want people to know, like, if I've never heard you, if I've never had you speak to my study club, how do I find out more about you? Where do I, where do I go? Like, what? Tell me what you do. How can I reach out to you? That was a lot of questions. So. I know, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm good at questions, not answers. So how do I find more of where to see what Judy well, K does? come visit my website at okay. practicesolutionsinc.net. And that's a plural and it's net, not com, not dot com. So practicesolutionsinc.net. If you have any questions about my services, there is a little spot on there where it says, ask Judy K. And if you just fill that out, it'll send me a note and I'd be happy to connect with you. I love working with doctors and their teams and helping them achieve their goals and what and whatever they want to achieve. I always say as long as it's legal and ethical with their licensure, I'm happy to do it. There so you go. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Well, I'm so grateful I could finally get you on here. And if you haven't seen Judy speak or haven't experienced her magic in a room, go there. You know, and if you're sitting in my room and you hear all the laughter, it's either going to be in Judy's room or Uchi's room. One of the two. I don't know which one, but it's. Uh, oh, I don't know. Good. Yours is pretty loud, too, Kirk. I yeah, mine's are just like, they're just obnoxious in mine. So it's all good. But uh, <laughs> Judy, thanks for being on. I really, really appreciate it. So stick around while we say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show podcast. If you enjoy today. Do me one favor. Just share this with your friends. Keep sending us suggestions that you guys want to see. I'm lining them up all. And if you want to hear like more specific things uh, from Judy, I'm going to have her back. We can ask her the tough questions so you guys can create a better culture. And until we see you guys next time, keep watching the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.